means um, preparation. As we're preparing for the birth of our Lord here amongst us and his reign here in the world. And um, through this time, we've actually uh, taken an opportunity to, um, to actually uh, be able to reflect every week on one of these um, Advent candles together. And as we started uh, last week, and we can go ahead and dim the lights a little bit for this time of, of reflection, the first candle, which, which we lit up two weeks ago, this purple candle, it actually symbolizes hope. Uh, sometimes it's called the prophecy candle. And in, we remember those who came before us, those who believed even without seeing, but they trusted God fully and completely. It represents really the expectation, the anticipation of the coming of the Lord and of the, Messiah, of the Lord Messiah. And this second candle that we uh, lit last week, that's actually the candle of faith. And oftentimes this candle of faith is also known as the Bethlehem candle, where we remember Joseph and Mary as they made their way. They obeyed, they went, even without knowing, they fully trusted. Even in their fear, even in the unknown, they trusted. And we remember this candle of faith um, for those steps of trust that were taken. And today, we're actually going to light uh, another candle together. And this candle is actually known as the shepherd's candle. And it actually represents joy. So we're reflecting on hope, on faith, and joy in this season. Because the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ is the birth of our everlasting joy. A joy that cannot be taken, that cannot be shaken from any situation or circumstance, but a joy that will stand. So as we reflect together, I want to invite you to just be able to... Um, to uh, to reflect on the everlasting joy that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. Hope, faith, and joy. So let's just take a moment to just meditate and reflect on that everlasting joy. After a moment of reflection, I will pray for us. God, we thank you for that faith, that hope, that joy that only you give us. We praise you for this Christmas season, Lord, where we get to reflect, um, remember, and prepare our hearts for your coming. Lord, you came into this world in order to save us, in order to bring us back to yourself, to save us, Lord, from 
all evil, all circumstances, and even to save us from ourselves, Lord, through your humble presence, Lord, even in the form of a newborn baby, God, you began a new and eternal work, Lord, to restore, redeem, and renew all things for your purposes and for your glory, God. Today, Lord God, as we reflect, Lord, even on what these Advent candles point to and remind us, Lord, of may we be amazed, amazed at this Christmas story that some of us have heard so many times that we can take for granted, Lord. But God, I just pray that you would continue to amaze us with it. Help us to hear it with fresh ears and see it with fresh eyes, Lord God. That the story of Christmas is the story of an everlasting and loving God, Lord, doing extraordinary miracles through ordinary people in ordinary circumstances. Yes, even people just like us. Lord, we love you, and we pray that you would speak to us today through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we'll go ahead and get uh, the full lights on, and we'll read our scripture for today. We have two scriptures um, and that we'll reflect on in the word of God. The first is in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, which we've been reflecting on every week during this Advent season. And then the, the second one is actually from the Gospel of John, chapter uh, 14, verse 27. And um, let's go ahead and read from Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. And um, uh, the, the, um, I'll be reading for us in English, but you can go ahead and follow along in Spanish if that's your heart language, here in person or online as well. But Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6. And then we'll read John chapter uh, 14, verse 27. Let's hear now with open ears and open hearts from the word of God. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government or all authority will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And John chapter, the Gospel of John chapter 14 verse 27 says to us, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Amen. We've actually been um, in this whole month reflecting on what the peace of Christ means and how we can actually live in the peace of Christ and pass on the peace of Christ. We've been reflecting on and digging deep on what the prophet Isaiah means by this. That unto us a child is born and he will be called Prince of Peace. What does it mean to receive the gift of the Prince of Peace? What does it mean to live in trust by the promises of the Prince of Peace? And as we've been reflecting on Christmas as a story as a whole, we've remembered that, um, that the story of Christmas 
And we have our, our slide for this. The story of Christmas is the story of Emmanuel, God with us. God comes down to us in the messiness of ordinary human life, human experience, and he actually um, enters into our reality, the one who created us in his image and, and the one who made us for himself. And he enters in through this, this miracle, this event called the incarnation. And every week I go through it because we can't emphasize how important this is and how essential it is to the entire story of salvation and of the gospel. But through the incarnation, God becomes human in Jesus Christ. God shows up. God isn't passive. He actually takes initiative to save us. Even when we were helpless, he takes a step toward us to restore our connection with him that was broken by sin. And as we've been preparing um, for that good news, and we're going to be celebrating it next week and, and, uh, and in, the, in the weeks to come during this Christmas season, we've been pausing. Instead of just continuing to move forward, we've been pausing and reflecting on this one verse in uh, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 9, verse 6. This one verse that gave hope to all of humanity when he said to when he said that unto us a child would be born and he would be called prince of peace what does it mean in the scripture when it says that we are to prepare for the lord in the flesh god with us to come to us and that he would be called prince of peace what does it mean to live in the presence of the prince of peace what does it mean to live in the promises of the Prince of Peace, and what does it mean to live in the power of the Prince of Peace? And last week, we actually talked about God's desire for us when it comes to living in peace. And we talked about how God's desire for you and for me is to live a life of peace. That's actually God's hope, God's desire for us as his children, that we would live a life of peace, a peace that includes joy and a feeling of purpose in every area of our lives. Last week, we even defined what peace is, right? Peace, and, and in case uh, you, you weren't here last week, you could check it out online in the podcasts on YouTube as well, but we defined what peace is. Peace is the, the living experience of contentment, joy, and purpose. Peace is the living experience of contentment, joy, and purpose. When we don't have contentment, when we don't have joy, when we don't have purpose, peace will be lacking in our lives. But peace is the living experience of contentment, joy, and purpose all aligned together. So together in this season, of Advent and of Christmas, we believe in practice living in the presence of Christ because that's the key to peace as we, as we talked about um, last week as well. That when we seek the presence of God everywhere, then we will experience the peace of God everywhere and anywhere. His presence is our peace. Peace is not something we do. Peace is not something we achieve. Peace is not something that we buy or we pay for. P 
peace is a gift of his presence. And when we seek the presence of God everywhere, then we will experience the peace of God anywhere and through anything, no matter what life may bring. And we've actually been practicing together how to be able to bless one another with the peace of Christ. Some of you remember it, right? And we're going to practice it once again. But for centuries, even since the earliest Christmas together, God's people have greeted each other with the peace of Christ, where they've passed the peace to one another when they've said to each other, peace be with you. Yes. We're passing that peace. We're living in that peace together. So let's practice that once again. And then we're going to practice the Hebrew one we learned last week as well. Peace be with you and also with you. Amen. And we know that that phrase, peace be with you, for us as Christians, originates from the Hebrew word shalom. And shalom really does, just doesn't mean the absence of chaos, but shalom really means the, the flourishing of all things together under the reign of God. And that was also a greeting amongst God's people for many, many years. We know that our Lord Jesus, he would have greeted his disciples with this phrase, shalom. And in fact, we see it, right, in the scriptures when he, when, when he first greeted his, uh, his, his disciples when coming back from the dead, he greeted them with these words, peace, peace be with you, peace unto you. Do not be afraid. But he would have greeted his disciples with the phrase shalom, with that greeting, which means peace be with you or peace be unto you. And we learned last week the response to that greeting. When, when, we, when uh, someone greets us with shalom, we respond with alechem shalom. So let's practice that together once again. Shalom, alechem shalom. Amen. And we just took a moment last week when we realized when we do that together, when we, when we greet one another with shalom and respond, Alekum shalom, we are blessing one another with peace. We are passing the peace of God that goes beyond any understanding or any circumstance in that beautiful moment. And one thing that I want us all to be aware of is that and the, the foundation of peace is going to be faith. Faith is the foundation for living in God's peace. Faith is actually how we gain access or the key to be able to abide and live in this life of peace that God calls us to. So again, we've learned a bit of what peace is and we've learned that peace for us, right, is going to be um, uh, purpose, contentment, and, um, and joy. So now that we know what something is, we have to know what something isn't as well, right? If that's what peace is, then let's be clear on what peace is not. Today we're going to talk about five things that are not in the peace of God. And that we need to be aware of when they creep up in our lives as well. And why is it that we lose our peace when God has called us to live a life of everlasting peace? There's only one way to experience an abiding peace that goes beyond circumstances. 
And, the, and remember, and the only way we can experience that and live in that peace is by faith. I know sometimes when we're in this journey of faith, we think to ourselves, well, I think the longer I'm in this, the less faith I have to have. But everyone that's been in the journey of faith knows that every next stage, every next level in spiritual maturity, in calling that God has for us, it will always call us for more faith, never less faith. Faith is how we live, is the foundation for living in God's peace together. Faith is being able to trust God even without fully knowing. Faith is an active, confident trust in his presence, even when we, when, even when we don't feel it. Faith is the power, has the power to sustain us and to comfort us, no matter what circumstances we may be facing. There are going to be certain issues in our lives that can influence us and will actually want to push us away from faith, that will want to push us away from living in the peace of God that God has called us to live in. So today we're going to consider what some of those things are that push us away from God's peace and how we can actually take a step when, when, when we find ourselves in that situation, how we can take a step toward God's peace no matter where we are. So in order to, as we talked about, in order to know what peace is, we have to know what the absence of peace feels like. And some of those things that push us away from faith, I want us to be able to, to consider why we lose our peace. And one of the first reasons why many of us lose our peace oftentimes has to do with experiencing fear. And not just any kind of fear, but that sudden fear. Who's experienced that overwhelming fear that feels crippling? That feels like panic, that feels like all the walls are closing in. It's that sudden fear that can just creep up on us out of nowhere. And here's the truth. Fear and that sudden fear and that adrenaline in fear, that can also become a habit. That can become a bit of, and, and I, I know it's a strong word and I don't mean it in, mean it in the medical uh, way, but that sudden fear, going to fear with every single circumstance or emotion, that can become a bit of an addiction or a pattern in our lives. Some people are so used to responding to every little dip and in their life, every little situation, every circumstance with fear. Some, not, not all circumstances require fear. Sometimes the, that, that can be really just the go-to for many of us, a small dose of panic that you know you can't even imagine any other way to respond because you've been so used to responding to life with fear. But you know, I've learned this over the years that there are two types of, um, of cases in life. Actually, there are many types, but two that I can think of. And those are circumstances and crises. Not every crisis is a circumstance, and not every circumstance is a crisis. But sometimes while we're so used to reacting and responding with sudden fear, with panic, because we don't know any other way. But sometimes it's just a circumstance, and we can turn that circumstance into a 
self-imposed crisis. You have to search your heart and ask yourself, what's the difference between the two? God will guide you in all of that. But again, some of us can be, become so used to just responding to everything with fear that we can't even imagine any other way. And it impacts every part of our lives. It takes our peace. It impacts our mental health. It impacts our emotional stability. A couple weeks ago, we talked about the real effects on our bodies because of fear, worry, and anxiety. We find whatever we're looking. And, and here's the truth. God calls us to peace in any circumstance. And we do have the choice of what we will find in any circumstance and even in any crisis. Yes, if our go-to is fear, then guess what we're going to find in every situation, every relationship, every upset um, um, uh, piece of news? We're going to find fear. But if we're searching for something else, if we're searching for God's peace, for God's presence, for God's power, what do you think we're going to find? God's peace. Because here's the truth about the human mind and the human heart. We find whatever we're looking for. You know, it's kind of like when you get a new car, right? Like you never notice that car, that truck, or that SUV that you're driving now. But once you're driving it, you see it like on every corner, right? We find whatever we're looking for. And I'm going to tell you this, friend, brother, sister, as your pastor, as your friend, as your brother on this journey, we find whatever we're looking for. If we are looking to be upset, if we're looking to be offended, if we're looking to be fearful, guess what we're going to find? Fear. We're going to find reasons to be upset. We're going to find reasons to be offended, to run away. But here's the good news of Emmanuel, God with us, of the Prince of Peace. If we go looking for real love, real joy, mercy, and beauty, what do you think you're going to find? You're going to find love, joy, beauty, peace. You know, there's this uh, artist, this singer, um, I don't know if she's uh, currently singing anymore, but I used to really enjoy her albums a lot. Um, she did just a lot of profound albums. Um, she had a faith background as well. Her name was Sarah Groves. And she wrote this beautiful song, which I think was the best song I've ever heard or read on what it means to experience real love with another person. It's like a poem. And she actually uh, has a song called Loving a Person. And she says the following words. She says, loving a person just the way they are, it's no small thing. It's the whole thing. And she ends the song saying, if we go looking for offense, we're going to find it. But if we go looking for real love, then we're going to find it. If we go looking for fear and chaos, we're going to find it. Because there's an abundance of all of that. But if we're looking for the Prince of Peace to abide for hope, for, for, for love, for joy, we're going to find it. So again, what takes us from our peace? The first thing is fear. 
And we see even in the scriptures, right? The opposite of love is not hate. The opposite of love is fear. The opposite of faith is not atheism, it's fear. Fear will always push us away from living in peace, from living in joy, from living in God's presence. But then what's the second thing or the second one that actually pushes us away from living in God's perfect and abiding peace? That second thing, and we have a slide for us, is the enemy. There is a very real enemy that wants to steal your joy. That wants to take your peace. We can be attacked by our enemy, by Satan, by the devil. It just means accuser, just means liar, just means murderer. Who may actually use various ways to cause doubt in our lives. And the enemy will want to do that. Come to steal, kill, and destroy. And the first thing that he will want to do is to steal your peace. To steal your joy. Because he knows once he steals that, then we're vulnerable to lose our faith in the living God. The one who's brought us this far. The one who will never, ever let us go. But it's amazing, too, because there are tools to battle the enemy. And one of those that I want to share with us comes directly from the scriptures from the book of James chapter 4 verse 7 and you can write this verse down and we have it up on on the screen as well in James 4 7 we see instructions on how to resist the enemy actually says to us submit yourselves then to God first submit yourself to God resist the devil and he will flee from you resist him you are not powerless. You belong to the all-powerful, to the almighty. Submit yourselves then to God. Surrender to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You know, the enemy will find so many different kinds of ways to be able to attack us. But we are empowered. We are covered. We are protected. We are set free by the love of God, by the power of God. So we must stand up to the enemy. Scripture urges us to resist the devil, and when we do, he will flee from us. Because he's not brave, he's not courageous. He will flee in the name of Jesus. You know, um, I, when I was younger, I had all kinds of experiences, even older as well. And even for some of our young people here, whether in um, elementary age, middle school, high school, whatever it may be, there's a re very real challenges out there socially. One of those challenges is with bullying. Some of us have experienced very real bullying in our lives. And I remember, to be honest, and I don't know if I've shared this with many people here before, but I experienced a really intense uh, bullying situation when I was in, um, in elementary school. And there was actually this kid who came from a pretty intense and pretty hostile family um, where there was a lot of domestic issues, violence, all kinds of things. And for some reason, he just decided to narrow in on me when I was in fourth grade and to pick on me and to try to intimidate me. And 
I kid you not, even as kids, elementary age kids, he would make threats to me on how he was going to kill me or, and, and bring a weapon and all of that, right? And I know we can kind of smile about it, but for a kid, that's really scary, right? And, um, and then I remember uh, just the constant threats and being bothered over and over again. And I went to my parents and I shared with them what was happening. And they walked with me through the whole situation. And they said a couple of things. They said, all right, Carlos, first, you have to talk to him and tell him to stop. Tell him to stop. He can't treat you that way anymore. It has to stop. And secondly, involve your teachers. You've already talked to us. Let's talk to your teachers as well, and let's involve them. And then the third step that they gave me was one that I'm never going to forget. This is my mom and dad, right? I don't know if this would be unpopular in parenting today. They said, first talk to him, then talk to the teachers. And third, if he continues, then you have to stand up to him. Stand up to the bully. Defend yourself and fight. That's what my parents told me. So guess what I did? (laughs) Stand up to him. Defend yourself and fight. Friends, brothers, sisters, there's a bully in our lives. That's the enemy. Stand up to him. Defend yourself. Fight. You have the authority. You have the power. You have the support. You have the community around you. And when we do so, he will flee from us. I have the testimony, thankfully, that bully fleed. He fled. So again, the things that block our peace are fear. Number two, the enemy. Number three is sin. Sin creates a block with our peace and living in peace. Peace and rebellion cannot coexist together. And we have a slide for this as well. Sin. Peace and rebellion cannot coexist together. The only solution is to confess our sin to God. To surrender to him. He can handle it. He's not afraid of it. Ask for his help in turning, in turning um, any situation into something new, into something uh, good for the glory of those who love him according to his commands. Surrender it to him, then God's peace can flow once again. You know, um, the, the, when we're in sin, rebellion and peace could never um, be in the same space together. There's this, um, this passage, right, in the book of Ephesians when it talks about the armor of God. And one of the key parts that holds the entire armor of God together is what's called the breastplate of righteousness. And for the soldier, when in battle, the breastplate actually protected the most vital organs. It protects your heart, it protects your stomach, it protects everything that, that you need to absolutely survive. And when we live, the best word that I can think of for righteousness in today in our language, in American English, is actually the word integrity. When we live in integrity and align ourselves with God's will and God's way for our lives, this brings an added measure of protection in our lives. 
That's the breastplate of righteousness when we live a life of integrity. When we choose to live right before the Lord and yielding our lives to obey God, especially when it's hard, especially when it's discouraging. And when we have that integrity around us, when we're living aligned to God's call, God's will for our lives, that's wearing the breastplate of righteousness. That's going to give Satan, the accuser, less power to overwhelm us. And guess what? If you're wearing a breastplate of righteousness and an arrow comes straight to you, what's going to happen to that arrow? It's going to deflect. It's going to bounce off. But if you don't have the breastplate on, it's going to pierce you. It can destroy you. It can kill you. So that the, those are things that get in the way of our peace. As we mentioned, the third is sin. And then the fourth, this one's a little bit difficult for people to wrap their heads around it, but as a pastor, I've seen it firsthand. The fourth barrier to living in peace is actually giving up peace. I know it's hard to even wrap our heads around that, but I've seen it right before my eyes. I've cried before congregants. I've prayed with them. I've seen people give up. Give up peace. Now, in times of crisis, we can sometimes lay down our peace willingly. We give it up. We concede to it. We abandon it. But I want you to remember this, and it's right here on the notes, and you can write it down. Always remember that no one or nothing can take your peace from you. You have to surrender it. The only way that peace can be taken from us is if we give it away. Because God's secured it for us. We're the only ones who can give it away. And by God's grace, I want you to hear this. We're the only ones who can take it back. If for some reason in your past, or in a situation or circumstance or a relationship, or a, or a church situation, or a job, if for some reason you've given away your peace, it's okay. Let's give that to God. But here's the beautiful gift for you this Christmas. In the same way that we give it away, you're the only one that can take it back. You can take back and receive that peace and live in that abiding peace once again. And then fifth, we, we've gone through the, four, the barriers to peace. Fear, sin, the enemy, as well as um, giving up our peace. And number five, and we have a slide for this, is losing focus. When we lose focus, we will lose our peace. When we don't stand for anything, we will fall for everything. We can allow everything that's going on in this world, right? Everything that's going on in our minds, in our lives. And yes, those are real things that we name, but they don't have the final claim in our lives. Challenges, news scenarios, um, stress, jobs, all of that. We can allow all those things to take over and overwhelm us and, and, um, and to be our primary focus. But that's not our calling. Our calling is to have our minds set on God. 
on trusting in him, on believing in him, on resting in his peace, on, on, on uh, being confident in his presence. Now, this fifth barrier to peace is actually a war in the mind. We've all experienced it, right? There's a war in our mind over territory, right? Where, where are we going to allow God to have his rightful reign of peace in our minds as opposed to all the other stuff that wants to distract us, discourage us, and deceive us? The things that want to sidetrack us and swallow us up, things that can seem just overly negative um, or, or painful, those circumstances that we have no control over. But remember, friends, brothers, sisters, the gift of Christmas, the gift of God is Emmanuel. God with us. We don't have to give in to the distraction. We don't have to give in to, to, the, to that news that can sink us so deep. We don't have to live defeated. We are not defeated by our troubles. We can face them. We can confront them. When those challenges come, God will be with us, as we talked about last week, right? When God brings us to it, God will walk us through it. Because he has overcome the world, we have as well. That's the power of the cross. That's the power of the resurrection. And Jesus taught his followers that all troubles are passing. All things come and go for a season. Some of you have heard the phrase before, right? This too shall pass. But do you know the amazing thing? As we trust in God, as we believe in God, as we keep showing up, the promise is not only that this too shall pass, but this too is passing here and now in this moment as we take that next step of faith, that next step of trust, this too is passing here and now. As our Lord tells us so well in the passage that we read earlier today, right? In John chapter 14, verse 27. Let not your hearts be troubled. Peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Friends, brothers, sisters, hold on to the peace that God gives be confident that he is with you. He will never let you go. He's taking care of you. He's watching over you. He's directing you. He's caring for those who trust in him and believe in him. And remember, the gift that God gives us, the gospel. <clears throat> Excuse me for my voice. <laughs> Hopefully it remains. The gift that God gives us, the gospel, is a gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is our firm foundation. It's our footing because it helps us stand tall and it protects us as we step into the battle. That's why we come here every Sunday to remind each other of God's goodness, of God's grace, of God's strength. The gospel of peace will keep us firmly planted when life's struggles and the enemy's attacks come our way. Here's one thing that is so essential to know about the peace of God. And some of you have heard this phrase before. Have you heard it? Wherever you go, there you are. Whether it's here or there, 
or another part of the country, another part of the world, or we change the job, change the church, change the relationship, or whatever it is, wherever you go, there you are. Our Lord is inviting us to walk in peace wherever we are. If you come and if you come in peace, then guess what? You will go in peace. If you arrive in peace, then you will remain in peace because the Lord's peace is in front of you to guide you. The Lord's peace is behind you to protect you. And the Lord's peace surrounds you to accompany you. That is the promise of the gospel of, of peace. Wherever you go, there you are. So go in peace. If we stand in peace, then we will go in peace. And when we go in peace, we will remain in peace. Not as this world gives, but only as our Lord gives. Peace be with you and also with you. Shalom. Alekum shalom. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we thank you for an everlasting and abiding peace, Lord. That's not something we can figure out or manufacture, but it's something only you can give. God, forgive us when we've actually walked away and we've created barriers to peace through fear, through giving into the enemy's schemes, through sin, through losing focus, Lord God, and through giving up our peace. God, you're the one who gives us peace, so today we want to receive it right where we are, just as we are, Lord. We pray that you would meet us in this place, meet us in this space. Take the chaos and exchange it, Lord, for beauty. Take the stress and the anxiety and exchange it, Lord God, for a peace that goes beyond understanding circumstance or situation. Take the fear and replace that with real love, authentic, genuine love that will sustain us no matter what we're going through. Lord, you are our peace. So as you abide in us and we abide in you, we remain, we live, and we rest <laughs> in that peace that only you can give. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love and mercy.